3: Rush Nation, before we get into today's show, let me tell you about expandtheboxscore.com, putting advanced statistics in your hands like never before. They've sifted through every game together and saw every statistic you could possibly want to make better informed breakdowns of players and teams, and they're doing it for a peasant's price. The NFL package is just $15 and total football, which is NFL and college, is just $25 for a year's subscription. If you're playing DFS in any leagues for money, this is without a shadow of a doubt the easiest investment you'll ever make. Head over to expandtheboxscore.com to start your subscription now.
1: Everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK.
3: Yo, what's going on, Rush Nation? Welcome to the second show of the week. Rich has been subbed out by Lee. Lee, how you doing, man? Yeah, not too bad. Glad to be on. See if I can fill Rich's shoes. Well, Rich is filling Murph's shoes. You're filling his. So they're getting smaller and smaller. A bit like one of those Russian dolls where you keep taking them out and out and out and then you're just left with the very one at the end that... No one ever really sees, but is appreciated. How's that? I finished it well.
2: <laughs> that sounds that's, that's good to me.
3: <laughs> so, uh, we've had uh, Cody Rourke from the Locked On Broncos. We had the Lee's boy, Travis, on from Locked On Dolphins. And today we've got your boy Q from the Locked On Raiders. Q, welcome to Five Yard Rush. How are you doing, bud?
1: Really good, man. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm pretty excited about this. And uh, yeah, man, Raiders that talks about Raider football.
3: Oh, well, there's plenty to talk about. As uh, we know, you know. All too well I imagine.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's a ton going on. I mean, man, I, I do a daily podcast about the Raiders on the lockdown Raiders podcast, but man, I'll tell you, there's enough to do two episodes a, a day if I had to. I mean, there's just so much going on, obviously with Hard Knocks and Antonio Brown and the upcoming season. I mean, that's just to name a couple couple subjects, but yeah, man, there's plenty of stuff to talk about when it comes to the Raiders.
3: Cool. Well, we'll talk some Antonio Brown in a little bit. I mean, I, I imagine you're slightly bored of talking Antonio Brown by now. Is that true at all?
1: It, it doesn't even matter. I, I mean, I get it. You know, talking about Antonio Brown, he's a he's a lightning rod. And, of course, everything that he does is over over the top at all times. There's never anything that's just kind of like a normalcy when it comes to Antonio Brown. It, it's either one extreme to the other. But at the end of the day, you're talking about a, a wide receiver who's going to be a Hall of Famer at some point when he hangs it up. And he's got incredible numbers. But at the same time, with the good comes the bad. And, and you know, Antonio Brown is a character all himself. Uh, He's a a one-of-a-kind, and he's going to be one of those guys where even if all eyes and all cameras are not pointed in his direction, he's going to find a way to get all eyes and all cameras pointed in his direction.
2: He really is kind of that throwback to almost a Chad Johnson, Terrell Owens type of wide receiver where it is all about him.
1: Yes, exactly. I mean, I'm telling you, there's a certain amount of wide receivers. They always say that those positions are are the diva position, but there's certain guys that go over the top. The, The Chad Johnsons, like you mentioned, Ocho Cinco, uh, you know, uh, Terrell Owens, you know, guys like that that are incredible players, incredible, but they're just so extreme. Odell Beckham Jr. when he was a member of the Giants, I mean, he it was extreme uh, proposing to a, a kicking net. I mean, you know, what I mean, like these guys with their extreme personalities, but then you look at the production on the field, and you're thinking, man, that's a great player to have in your locker room, but boy, he's a, he's a handful.
3: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So I guess we start with everyone asking them how they got into the media and talking about football. So Q, how did that happen to you, man?
1: It was it was really strange, man. I've for the longest I've been uh, just a radio DJ, and I was uh, doing hip hop radio uh, back in '99. I really started, and I just kind of always did hip hop, and obviously always loved sports, always loved the Raiders, always loved football. But uh, you know, somehow it kind of they kind of intertwined with each other, you know. And at some point, I got an opportunity to to be on uh, ESPN Central Texas, and I didn't get a paycheck for it. But you know, the, my my boss said, hey, I'll give you a shot if you think you can hang with these guys. And I said, well, a shot's all I need. If you give me a shot, I'll run with it. So a couple years in, uh, everything was going really well, and I was able to leave uh, hip-hop music behind and just focus 100% on just sports and focus on being on ESPN and focus on, uh, you know, football and all that good stuff. And, man, I'm telling you, it's, it's been great. I love it. And it's one of those things that when you've been in radio long enough, it extends your career, and that's what you're always looking for.
3: Oh man, that's cool. That's cool. So diving back to hip hop quickly. I uh, I like to I listen to so many podcasts throughout the day just because of my, my love for fantasy football and the football in general. But I like to throw one album in every day that sort of breaks that up and gives me some time not to think football. So if you could say one hip hop album I need to listen to tomorrow during my day, what would it be?
1: Oh, man, I got to go to the classic. I got to go to the one that gets me fired up. Every single time I need a little boost of energy, I just pop on Tupac, all eyes on me. You know what I mean? It's an oldie, it's a classic, it's a goodie, but that's what I go to, man. That's my go-to. I'm 42 years old, so, you know, that's my wheelhouse. Uh, Pac is my guy. Anytime that I just need that little extra edge or a little extra energy, I I pop on Tupac, all eyes on me. It's a double disc, and I just let that thing ride.
3: Well, I've literally just hit the download button on Spotify, so about 11 o'clock tomorrow morning, I'm going to be rolling out some Tupac. There you go. (laughs) Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So, why'd you become a Raiders fan?
1: Well, originally uh, from Oakland, California, from the Bay Area, you know, so uh, obviously with the California roots, and uh, the Raiders were in Oakland for a while, went up to L.A., uh, just kind of was a fan from afar when they were in L.A., but when they made the move back to Oakland in 95, that's when I said, OK, I got to dive all the way in now. I got to be 100 percent on this on this team's uh, you know, front. I got to be I got to support them because they're the they're the home team. They got a rich history and and fans of the Raider Nation. Whenever I'd go to a game and just kind of watch it or even even watch it on TV, I'd always see the fans were just different than every other fan base, in my opinion. It was just it was just a different kind of culture. You know, I, I I'd go to the Coliseum and I see 60,000 fans, and they would all look different, you know, different colors, different genders, different uh, sizes, different, uh, you know, adults, children, grandmothers, grandfathers, it didn't matter, it was just a whole bunch, 60,000 different people all coming together on one Sunday afternoon to cheer on the team, all wearing black, it just, you know what I mean, it just gave you that that edge and that image, and again, me being a hip-hop guy, you know, I was I was also raised in the N.W.A. era, you know, when N.W.A. was uh, rocking out in L.A. with Ice Cube and Eazy-E and all them cats. And it was one of those things where even if you weren't a football fan and you were just down with hip hop, and you were you were one of the tough guys at school, you were wearing a Raider jacket or a Raider hat, or you know, you had something on that had that symbol on it. it just it meant so much. So as a sports fan, I said, oh, this is this is for me because not only am I a hip hop guy, I like these colors anyway. I like rocking it just because of the image that it portrays but i also like the team and the, and the and the you know the history that they have behind them and the fact that the fans are are renegades and and you know what i mean it's just it's something different man it's just when you know that you're a raider fan you know you got a little bit extra something something in your neck that everybody else doesn't have and that's that was for me man so i've i've always been a raider fan and taught my kids to be raider fans because well we're different than everybody else that's what i tell them
3: <laughs> so tell me Q, are you sad about the move to vegas
1: yeah yeah i'm excited about it I'm not excited that they're leaving Oakland because, again, that's the second time that Oakland's going to lose their team. And as a Bay Area guy, I'm disappointed there. I'm disappointed something wasn't able to happen, get done in Oakland so they can get a stadium. But, look, ultimately, man, they needed a new stadium. They have needed a new stadium for the longest. Uh, We all know the Oakland Coliseum, as much as I love it, and I will be there on December 15th for the last regular season home game just to kind of show it out the right way. Uh, Just as much as we love that place and have so many memories of it, it was time for an upgrade. It's time to trade in old Betsy and get you something new, you know. And so that's, that's the thing about it, man. This stadium in Vegas is going to be state of the art. It's going to be so nice. It's going to make the, the value of the organization raise. Uh, it's going to bring them into the, you know, 21st century. It's going to bring them in to keep them up with times and, and what's going around the league. You know, they're the last team in the league to play on a, on a baseball field. I mean, even though it's kind of cool watching it at times, that's not what you're supposed to do anymore. You're supposed to have your own stadium, your own field. You know, you don't have to worry about if the baseball team is doing well and, and they're going to interfere with your games. You're not supposed to worry about that. So I'm excited about that. Vegas is a city that's different than any other city in the world, in my opinion. And if a, if a football team is going to be there, why wouldn't it be the Raiders? You know what I mean? Al Davis always, always had a love and affection for the city of Las Vegas. And so uh, Mark Davis, even though he caught a lot of flack from the city of Oakland and the fans in Oakland and the Bay Area for leaving for leaving the Bay and taking his team to Vegas, if anyone would have done it, it, would have been Al. So I'm excited for the move. I'm excited that the team is going to get this opportunity to break in a new market that's up and coming, and they're basically going to have an opportunity to own it. So I think the move to Vegas is going to be great, and I think everyone's going to really, really enjoy it.
3: I was going to say, well, I went to Vegas probably four years ago now, and it's the most mental place I've ever been to. It's just all happening all the time. And if there was a football franchise to go there, the Raiders fits it absolutely
1: perfectly. Yeah, it fits into a T. I mean, you couldn't get the San Francisco 49ers in Vegas. I mean, it just it doesn't even work. You know what I mean? You could throw any team there, like the Patriots. You think they'd work in Vegas? No way. I mean, yeah, they'll still win games, but it just don't fit the image of Las Vegas. If there's one team in the league that fits that image of Las Vegas, and one fan base that fits the the image of Las Vegas, it could be the Oakland Raiders. So, I'll, I'm excited about that. Again, I, I'm disappointed because city of Oakland loses their team for the second time, but you know, you, you've got to be able to keep up with the Joneses and you've got to be able to keep up with the times. And this is just a move to, to bring the Raiders up to speed and up to times. And so Mark Davis did a good job of getting that stadium. And again, the Raiders are going to benefit it for years to come. The city's going to enjoy them and it's going to be a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, that stadium, it, it, it looks incredible. I mean, if anyone gets a chance to watch over here, there's a, a series on YouTube called From the Ground Up, which is the Raiders following the building of that stadium. And it looks brilliant. I must say, I'm going to miss the, the baseball field a little bit because it kind of reminds me of the old days. My Dolphins used to play on that, that shared baseball field as well. It's kind mm-hmm. of like old and gritty. But like you say, you've got to move at the times. You've got to have a, you know, a, a shiny new stadium. It's got to have all the, all the mod cons and make sure it can really host the team properly.
1: Yeah, exactly. Again, I'll miss the baseball field a little bit because, like you said, nostalgia and, and it does kind of reflect the old school. But, yeah, man, it's, t- it's time to move into the new school, and it's time to, to, to get a real good stadium. And then, look, you're going to be hosting the draft this year in 2020. You're going to be hosting a Super Bowl at some point. The one that becomes available, the next one that's available, will be yours. I mean, you're, you're going to get benefits that you wouldn't be able to get at the Oakland Coliseum, so you've got to take advantage of all that. 100%. That's going to be some Super Bowl in Vegas
3: as well. That party is going to be unreal. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Man.
2: So this is this time to start talking about the five-yard rush staff trip then? Oh,
3: mate, I, I'm all in. I'm, I'm all just in. saying. <laughs> well, we talked about the Christmas party on the last podcast, Lee, that uh, you went privy to. So you're going to have to listen to that one first. But there's going to be a Christmas party. So let's upgrade and go Vegas for the Super Bowl. Let's have it.
1: <laughs> right. No, the Super Bowl in Vegas will be amazing. It really will. I've been to the Super Bowl in New Orleans. And I thought that, and that is my favorite location for the Super Bowl, New Orleans, because it's such a great city. Well, if you think about all the fun that you could possibly have in New Orleans, go to Vegas and it's like (laughs) times 10. You know what I mean? It's going to be, oh, it's going to be like on steroids. So, yeah, it's going to be great. I think it's what, 2025 or 26 that it's available? It's coming up. I mean, it's not coming up right around, but it's it's not that far away. So, it's going to be a fun time.
3: There's plenty of time to save up, right? If we start now. Yep. Perfect. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, Q, who's the best player you've ever met, interviewed, interacted with, past or present?
1: Oh man, that's a that's a tough question because I've I've talked to some really really incredible people. Sometimes I, I just kind of have to sit back and pinch myself and realize that wow, this really happened. Like last year in Atlanta for the Super Bowl, uh, I, I got to interview Tim Brown for about twenty minutes, and obviously he's a Raider great, Hall of Famer. Uh, he, he was very generous with his time, and uh, he, he had a lot of good things to say. Oh man, it's 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 who friends the another great Raider, a uh, Hall of Famer tight end. Uh, he, he was he was great to, to get a little bit of one on one access with, and it's just I mean player after player, and you know and star after star. And at some point, you just kind of it almost becomes second hat to you, second nature, which is not a good thing, but it just it does. It just they just start rolling in, especially at the Super Bowl setting when guys are just walking around and you get all kind of opportunities to speak to them and you know pick their brains on whatever. It's it, it, it's a lot of fun, so. The list goes on and on of the people I've been able to talk to. I enjoy the most, honestly, out of my job, I enjoy the most when I go to cover the draft. When I go to cover guys that aren't even in the league yet, but just getting to talk to them when they get their career started or when they're about to get their career started, that is really, really a lot of fun. Uh, I had an opportunity to talk to Josh Jacobs this year before the Raiders drafted him in Nashville. That was, I mean, that was about five minutes one on one, but it seemed like it was about 10 to 15 minutes. And I felt like I walked away and really, really knew exactly who he was and his mindset. And that's my, that's the fun that I have. That's the most fun I ever have is going through the draft and covering that. So looking forward to 2020 when the draft is in Vegas because for all those reasons I just said, and then on top of that, you're in
3: Vegas as well. So the overriding theme I took from that is you're just blessed, right?
1: Man, I'm telling you, I, I could not believe, I can't believe that I'm. Every day uh, when I think about the, the scenario that I'm in and, and the job I do and, and I go to work and I talk sports for three hours and I come home and watch sports and, and then I go, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm really, someone's giving me a paycheck for this? But I'll take it. You know, I don't know if I'll convince somebody something better than me. You know what I mean? Something that, that I got over on someone or, or whatever. But I'll take it. As long as they're signing a check, I'll do it. And this is, this is one hell of an experience, man. I'm saying from Super Bowls, the drafts, the college football playoff games. To, I mean, just I, I do high school football i cover high school football and do sideline reporting which can set me up for a job later on down the line i mean there's so many different things that i've learned to do in this short period of time i've been doing sports radio since 2012 and man i'm telling you i feel like i've grown leaps and bounds i mean to be like i'm on the radio with you guys you know i'm doing an interview with you guys you get me this wouldn't have happened 10 years ago so yeah i mean now i feel like i'm international now so yeah everything's great man i'm, I'm living my best life Well,
3: long may it continue, man Long may it continue So, I guess the last question that we ask everyone In the icebreakers is What advice would you give to our listeners Who want to talk about their passion Whether it be football, model railways, flying a kite Whatever it is, what, what advice would you give to them?
1: Just be you Be who you are all the time and be genuine about it Don't try to be me Don't try to be someone else Don't try to be some guy on the radio or on TV That is getting a lot of followers or likes or whatever just be who you are and speak from your heart all the time. You may ruffle some feathers sometimes. People might not like your opinion. That's fine. But don't be one of those guys that flip-flops and changes your opinion just because you're trying to fit a narrative in or something like that or you're going for shock value. What's on your mind, say what's on your mind. Be truthful. If you don't agree with something that's going on at the time, speak up and say so. And if you do agree with it, speak up and say so. You know, just th- that's, the, that's the best piece of advice. I was, I, I was given when I, I stepped into the sports sports station was, I want you to be you. The guy that I hear in the hallway arguing, cutting up, uh, you know, making jokes, whatever, talking trash, being real loud. The guy that you are in the hallway is the guy I want you to be behind the microphone. And that's who I've always been. That's who I'll always be. And as long as I'm allowed to do that, I'll continue to do this. The day that they tell me I have to be someone else is the day I got to politely and so, with respect, walk away and say no no thank you i can 't do that i 'm I'm, I'm me or i 'm nobody
3: that, that is a one advice I mean one of the reasons Murph and i and, and Lee and Rich and the other podcasts we enjoy it so much is it 's basically we sit down and just have fun talking about football and we 're not trying to be anyone or trying to be anything It's just four friends having a laugh and, and, and talking fantasy football and then interviewing people who are lucky enough to talk to you like yourself so we've definitely followed that mantra as well. And it's got us to, you know, you said you were talking to people here. Well, we're now talking to you over the other side of the pond. So it's not done us bad stuff so far. Right. Exactly. I mean, you know, find your passion
1: and run with it. Really. I mean, that's what it is. Whatever you're passionate about, go for it. You know, don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it. Don't let anybody say that you don't, you don't deserve to be here. Just, Hey man, <laughs> I, I deserve to be here. Cause I worked and I grinded and I, I busted my tail and I'm going to do everything I can, you know, I'll, I always tell everybody that I might not be the most talented dude in the room, but I'll be the guy who works the hardest. I'll be the guy who guarantees works harder than anyone else, and, and, and that's the only thing I can do. That's the only thing I can control is my effort. If I give 100% of my effort all the time, good things will happen. If I slack off and decide just to kind of you know BS my way through something, then it's not going to be very very good. But as long as I bring the heat and I continue to bring the passion every single time I get up and do this every day,
3: I'll be fine. I'll be just fine. Love it. Absolutely love it. Right, Q, let's talk some Raiders, man. So okay. what do you think going to change from John Gruden's first season into this season?
1: You know, I think one of the biggest things that's going to change is we're going to see, and I say we as fans, we're going to see a lot more Chucky than we saw in 2018. 2018, I was excited when John Gruden returned to the Raiders because I thought and anticipated seeing a lot of Chucky, seeing a lot of discipline seeing a guy get fired up when somebody's doing the wrong thing or, or when Derek Carr makes a bad pass or doesn't have the, the right read. And I came away from the season disappointed, not only with the record of 4-12, and 12, but because I didn't see Chucky enough. I didn't see him angry and getting mad at people and doing what he did the first time he was the Raiders head coach when he was very successful. And I thought maybe he's getting older and he's calmed down a little bit, which is not a good thing, you know, which is not a good thing because, again, I want him to be who he is. And who he is is a fiery coach a guy who demands excellence, demands you to be you know, perfect, be on your A game. And when you're not, he's going to let you know about that. But what I realized is what he did in 2018 was almost one of those feeling out processes. You know, if you're a boxer, you take a couple rounds to kind of feel out your opponent, see what see what you have in them, and, and then figure out a way to attack them. I feel like he took 2018. Obviously, he traded Khalil Mack before the season started and, uh, you know, traded Amari Cooper during the season. I feel like he he kind of felt out the situation of what he had as far as a team, who he had that was a real player, who was a guy who really wanted to be there, who was a guy who was going to buy in, who wanted to take this team to the next level, and who didn't. And he weeded those guys out slowly and and got them out of there. Yes, the team suffered. The fan base suffered. 4-12 is not what they wanted. But he realized, these are the guys that are here that I can move forward with, and the rest of the guys I cannot. And so now this year, there's 21 new players on the team, either brought in by way of free agency or draft, 21 new guys. You know, that tells you right there that the staff that he picked up and the the team that he picked up when he got there in 2018 was not the team that he wanted to go go to battle with each and every Sunday. And so now he feels confident in the guys that him, Mike Mayock, and the rest of the front office have drafted, and the guys that they have brought in, by way of free agency, and now they're ready to go. They have a tough schedule, and they have a lot of adversity that they're going to have to try, or a lot of challenges that they're going to have to try to overcome, but they feel comfortable going into those challenges and going into those games with who they have now, as opposed to what they had in 2018.
2: There was definitely times last season where you see something not necessarily go the way they wanted on the field, and they'd come off, and you didn't get that explosion from John Gruden. It was more kind of measured, okay, I kind of – that's what I expected. We'll, we'll deal with it going forward. But it just looked like true evaluation all year long. Yeah. Just, kind of, just going back to your other point, I actually thought that trading Khalil Mack was a win for both sides because winning a couple more games last year, I don't think is in the long-term plan. I, I thought that, you know, every move that the Raiders have made is with an eye of being good that first year in Vegas.
1: Yeah, that's 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 absolutely right. And, and again, it's, it's funny because when you're a Raider fan, and you see you see Khalil Mack get traded you hear the rumors that it's a possibility i thought there's no way because well he's a you know he used to be the he was a defending uh defensive player of the year he had, had that just 2 years ago you know so you you got to keep him he's the, your your sack artist your guy but again i think like you said to your point about it being a win win he got the money that he wanted from chicago he he also ended up in a really good situation where he didn't have to be the the number 1 guy or 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 the focal point, the only guy on defense that can get things done. He had a team around him of defenders that are really, really good, so it made him shine even more. Well, they weren't really a very good defense with Khalil Mack, and even though that hurts to say that as a Raider fan, it's the truth. You know, they weren't very good. So, yeah, they needed to go and redo, retool the roster. So to get rid of him, they go ahead and get some draft picks, some really good draft picks out of that. Uh, they turn that into, into some guys that I think are going to be good players for the team for years to come. Also, it frees up a lot of cap space and you go out and make a move in the offseason, you go get Antonio Brown, you go get Tyrell Williams. You, you bring in some free agents that you feel comfortable that you can win with right now that aren't necessarily Khalil Mack. Even though no Raider fan ever wants to hear that it was a good idea to trade Khalil Mack, I think what you said is spot on where it's a win-win situation for both teams.
3: Hey, look, man, Like to make a decent omelette, you've got to break some eggs, right?
1: Yeah, Nice. Exactly right. I like that. I'm going to use that line. I just want you to know I'm going to use that line because I like that. When I hear something I like, I'll tell someone I'm going to use it. But I'm definitely going to use it. I like that. You got to to make a decent omelet. You got to break the egg. I like that. Thank you.
3: You're welcome. Use it away. Use it away. If, there, if nothing else comes of this, then I've uh, I've, I've got cue to use one of my lines, so I'm, always, I'm happy
2: already.
1: <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm not too I'm not too proud to say that I didn't, It wasn't a cue original. I'll pick it up and I'll give you credit for it. I don't mind. Oh, man, look,
3: listen, if you don't even want to quote me, that's fine. I'll just sit there, listen, and think. Yeah, that was mine. And uh, know. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Nice. You, you said you was at the draft and, and, and you, you get close and personal with people at the draft. So what, what are your thoughts on the Raiders draft and the offseason acquisitions as a whole?
1: You know, I think the offseason was excellent. And I really think the offseason started off with a, a bang when they hired Mike Mayock. I really think that that was the biggest move of the offseason. Because if you look back at 2018, the draft class that the Raiders had, most of those players aren't really panning out. I mean, you look at them right now, and they just, today, they just traded their, or not traded, but cut their fifth-round pick in in Johnny Townsend, the punter, who was terrible in 2018. They just cut him today. That was just one year ago that they drafted him. I mean, there's a lot of guys from that draft that don't look like they're going to pan out. They don't look like they're going to be very good. John Gruden, if he's done one thing not very well, it's draft. He shows that he is not very good as far as a talent evaluation. That's where Mike Mayock came in, and Mike Mayock, I believe, hit it out the park. I, I, I questioned the Cleve Farrell pick at number four overall only because I didn't think he was going to go that high at number four, but I still thought he was a first-round guy. So after I got over the initial shock of him being picked at four, then I said, okay, that's cool. Josh Jacobs at number 24, that was the guy that I was pounding the table for for the longest. I like Josh Jacobs a lot out of Alabama. I think he's going to be a dynamic dynamic running back for the Raiders for some years to come. They have a, Now they have youth in that position. And then Jonathan Abram at the back end of the first round with the number 27 overall pick, if that guy doesn't walk and talk and act like a Raider, I don't know what is. If that's not the definition of a Raider, then I just, I've never seen a Raider. And uh, anyone who's seen Hard Knocks already got a good dose of Jonathan Abrams, you're going to get a lot more of that guy. That's going to be a guy that people are going to talk about for years to come. The Raiders have not had a guy with that kind of attitude and swagger and style and, you know, just that kind of confidence in such a long time that it's, it's refreshing to see it. And it's not a guy they had to go out and break the bank for and just bring him in who's already established. It's their own guy. He's homegrown going to be a guy that, that Mike Mayock said is a foundational piece, a guy that they can build this team on so they don't, they're don't they not successful for just one year, not two years, but they're successful for many years, and they can start to build a, a tradition of winning like they used to have back in the day. I, uh, I really enjoy and that's just the first round. I really enjoyed what they did with many of their picks, including their fifth round pick from Clemson, uh, Hunter Renfro. I'm very high on Hunter Renfro, the wide receiver. He's a slot wide receiver. He's not, he doesn't look like the biggest athlete doesn't look like he's going to scare you, doesn't, like he's not going to take the top off the defense. But I'll tell you what, this guy catches nothing but passes. That's all he does is catch the ball, catch the ball, catch the ball. You, you put him with Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams, and you put him in the slot or anywhere else you want to line him up, I mean, who are you going to double? Who are you going to watch out for? If you're going to do that with AP and Tyrell Williams, you're going to leave Hunter wide for a wide open. He's going, to, he's going to have a pretty good season, in my opinion. That's another pick, and they got him in the fifth round. I really, really enjoyed what they did with their draft. I thought it was very well calculated, and I think that a lot of that credit needs to go to Mike Mayock, the first-time GM for the Raiders. Uh,
3: And what what do you make of the uh, rookie tight end? Sorry, Lee.
1: Oh, uh, Foster Moreau from LSU? Yeah. I I like him. I like him, too. and, And the reason I like him, and the reason I like a lot of these players, is because of the leadership factor. He was, I believe, what, number 18 at LSU? And if anyone knows the history of LSU, number 18, goes for the leader of the team. He goes, they, that's the guy, the, the guy who wears that number is the leader. He, he's the guy that everyone looks to for that leadership skill. Leadership is something that the Raiders have lacked for very, very long. And Derek Carr is the leader as the quarterback, but he's kind of a, a quiet leader. He's not the guy who's going to really command too much and demand too much and get in your face and and you know and, and tell you that you're doing something wrong. I think he's working on that a little bit, but he's not really the number one leader. You know, And I think that if you look around at the draft that they got, they picked up, four guys, they picked up three guys from Clemson. They picked up three guys from Clemson and that's a national champion, the two time national champions. And then they picked up a guy from Alabama. So those guys are all guys that have pedigree with winning guys that know what it's about to win and expect to win. So they're going to go into camp with a professional attitude. Everything I'm hearing from training camp is that none of these rookies act like rookies. They go in there and they, they, they are, they are, they're calling themselves first year players, not rookies because they don't, they don't seem like it. They seem very wise beyond their years, and, and that's a positive because the Raiders have lacked leadership. They've lacked talent, but they've really lacked leadership. And so a lot of these guys, including Hunter Renfro, he's not going to get – or not Hunter Renfro, but Fox Moreau. He's not going to get a whole lot of catches throughout the year, but I think that he's more athletic and a better receiver than he got credit for at LSU because, well, we all know they don't throw the ball around the yard too much at LSU. They do a lot of running, but he's a really good blocker, and I think he's sneaky athletic. So, uh, yeah, it's going to take a while tight end a tough position in the NFL to transition to as a rookie. But if he goes ahead and continues to work his tail off, like I believe he will, then I think he's going to be a heck of a pickup too. And so again, man, you, you look at the schools that they, they went and got guys from Clemson, Alabama, uh, Mississippi state, uh, Clemson, again, LSU, you know what I mean? There's, there's expectation, expecting to win from those schools. And so that, that's what gets me excited about what they did.
3: Uh, yeah. Big time acquisitions for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. So, the rest of the AFC West, obviously my Broncos are there. What do, you, what do you make of the rest of the acquisitions that the other teams in the AFC West have done so far?
1: Well, that's that's a that's a big holdup, and that's a big problem, man. The, the rest of the AFC West, the AFC West is such a tough division. Such a tough division. I got to start at the top with the Kansas City Chiefs. As long as they have Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball around the yard, uh, you, you have to look at them as the favorite in the division. You know they, He's just so good. Uh, me being in Central Texas, I obviously covered him a lot while he was at texas tech so i saw him all the time and knew how good he was and when he was drafted by the by the uh the chiefs i just oh man i just hung my head i was at the draft i just hung my head because i knew twice a year for years to come I'm gonna have to face this dude and he's so good and and then that's when the tyreek hill news broke at the at the draft the first day of the draft so then i'm thinking tyreek hill may not be available for the chiefs and they thought that too so they go out and get mikhail hardman you know he's a speedster speedster wide receiver it's basically take Tyreek Hill's place. Well, lo and behold, Tyreek Hill gets no suspension. He's back. And, oh, by the way, you also have this new speedster in McKeel Hardman. I mean, that, that, that team is going to be fast. They're going to be uh, scary. I, I think that every team that plays them, they better be on their A game that, that week when they're playing the Chiefs because they are so good. And I hate to give them that much credit because, as a Raider fan, I hate to see them win. But, man, they, they are really good. So they're going to be a fair. Be uh, the Broncos? I love what they did bringing in Vic Fangio as the head coach. I've always had a lot of respect for him because he's been so good. He's just never been allowed to be a head coach. He's always been a defensive coordinator. Finally, he gets his shot to be a, a head coach for the you know first time ever in his career. He's been covering, He's been in the league for many, many years. Finally, as a head coach, he's going to bring that defensive nastiness that you saw from Chicago in 2018. He's going to bring that to Denver. Denver has dogs on the defensive line. I mean, they got Vaughn Miller. They got Bradley Chubb. They got Derek Wolfe they got guys, they got dudes They can get after the quarterback. So that's going to already uh, set, set Denver up really well defensively. And then you, you look at their secondary that they have. They're going to be strong. Obviously, that defensive line is going to make them even better. Uh, I, I only question, the only time I question Denver is when I look at the quarterback position, offensive side of the ball. I don't really, am not a big fan of Joe Flacco. I don't really believe in him that much. But you got Noah Fant. It's going to take him a little time to, to uh, you know, to uh, accustom himself to the NFL game. But when he gets... When he gets accustomed and gets used to being in the NFL, he's going to be really good. So Denver made some good moves. And the Chargers are the Chargers. You know, they're, they're, they're defensive heavy. They got a lot of defensive dudes. Derwin James at the back end of that, that defense, they drafted him. I believe, uh, what, number 15 overall or number 12 or whatever they did, 17th. No, they got him 17th overall in 2018. He's going to be a dog for years to come. Joey Bosa, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be great. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do at the quarterback position after Philip Rivers is gone, but he still has a few good years in him as far as I'm concerned. Melvin Gordon, he's holding out for money. Um, I, if I'm the Chargers, I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even worry about him. They were 4-0 last year without him. So I don't think that he's even a big loss, even though a lot of people say he is. I, I think that, okay, if you want extra money, you got to go somewhere else to get it. They offered him $10 million. He didn't take it. But uh, all in all, man, the AFC West is going to be one of the toughest divisions in football. And with all the credit I gave the Raiders for getting a lot better in 2019, it's going to be hard, very hard for them to improve their record because that division is so difficult.
3: Yeah, for sure. So two quick questions on the AFC. Who do you think from the AFC is going to go to the Super Bowl?
1: Man, it's it's hard to it's hard to pass on the Patriots just because they're so consistent. But I don't want to take the cheap way out. And I realize that the Chiefs are one-off sides away from being in the Super Bowl in 2018. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, as much as Raider fans ain't going to like to hear it, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I'm gonna say I think the Chiefs get it done. They find a way to uh, get over the hump and, and young Patrick Mahomes leads that team to the Super Bowl.
3: Yeah, I I think they're going to go absolutely wild this year. I just think they're going to mm-hmm. tear everyone apart, and it's not even going to be the same game. It's going to be so unfair. And then this, the Raiders, a uh, way too early record. What do you reckon they're going to end up with?
1: Well, when I looked at their schedule, I, I said that they could be anywhere from four and eight to eight and eight. You know, and I know that that's a big gap. But I looked at it, or four and twelve, and uh, four and twelve again, and then eight and eight. That, that's how I looked at their record and thought that's that's where they could be, and that is a big gap. Uh, now that I see all the weapons that they have, all the guys that they picked up, I think they're going to win a few games that they're not expected to win. They'll so they'll sneak up on a couple teams and win. So I'm I'm going to hover right around anywhere from seven to seven and nine to eight and eight. I think that they're 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 a good team to win seven games and they probably top out at eight and eight. I've had some Raider fans tell me ten and six, but I think that that's just a huge jump from year one to year two. But I think that they're heading in the right direction. So I'm going to go seven and nine or either eight and eight, somewhere around there.
3: Perfect. All in
1: line for a Las Vegas winning season, then. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You want to go ten and six? They'll probably go ten and six when they uh, open up the, the the stadium in Vegas in twenty twenty. And I think that that would be a, a huge step. Ten and six and win the AFC West. That'd be great. Awesome.
2: A way, way too early prediction. Right, exactly. They get even can further happen. in advance. That's great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and anything could happen in between now and then, but still,
1: I mean, hey, let's go ahead let's go ahead and throw it out there while we're talking about it, right? That's, That's what it. you
2: want to see is, is progress in the right direction. Do you know what I mean? That the that the coaching staff is right and they've got every, all the all the right pieces in the right place. You know, you, you can even like you say, you can even go with the same record but show improvement. You know, there's right. there's so much more to it than just looking at the you know, the final standing. You know, you got to look at it in depth. I think if they show the right progress, you can consider it uh, a great season, even if the record doesn't look great.
1: I agree. I agree 100%. You know, it's all about the way that you play on the field and what you do and, and how you look doing it. You know, you, you have to show improvement and show that you know what you're doing instead of, like, deer in headlights. And they were like that a lot of times in 2018. just looked like they were out of place and had no clue what was coming next. Well, you know, Gruden's there for,
3: oh, what, another nine, eight years, something like that. The Super Bowl's in 2025. The Raiders' record keeps on improving until then. Raiders could be in the 2025 Super Bowl at home.
1: Yeah, they could they always be the first team to, uh, to host their own Super Bowl, right? I mean, we talk about it every single year whenever the, the Super Bowl comes up. You look at the team that, that normally plays where the stadium is, and you think, oh, man, this could be the year. Well, hey, maybe that'll be the year that the first team Uh, host their own Super Bowl and and that would be that'd be a nice feather in the cap of John Gruden. I'm sure he wouldn't mind being able to own that accolade right there
3: yeah a Raiders party at the Super Bowl party at the party capital of the world Uh, yeah we're going Lee we're all over it
2: (laughs) wait so you mean my Dolphins don't have a chance to get to the Super Bowl this year unbelievable well (laughs) well I'm not going to go there but
1: okay
3: (laughs) I'll do it for him Lee no there's no chance oh man Sorry. Um, I do
1: like your head coach, though. I do like Brian Flores as a coach. I think he's going to be really good. I do.
2: Yeah, me too.
3: Um, Good take all around then. So Q, come on. This is a fantasy football podcast. Let's talk some fantasy football. How many leagues do you currently play in? And I suppose more importantly, last year, did you win any championships?
1: Well, you're going to be very disappointed by this, but no, I didn't win any championships and I don't play in any leagues whatsoever. I don't have any fantasy football ties. I don't do fantasy football. Uh, I respect everyone who does it. I know it's a great uh great thing and a great way to get involved in the game and a lot of people love it and cover it. Um I just I just I just don't it's just not my, my cup of tea. It's just not my thing. So uh I allow everyone else to to do the fantasy football thing, but I just I don't dibble or dabble in any fantasy football. I'll never have and I never will.
3: <laughs> well that's right. thanks for coming on, Q. This has been fun, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road.
1: <laughs> but I know, I know who's going to be really good players that you could look at fantasy wise on the Raiders. I'm just not the fantasy guy. You know, if I look at it, my team, if my team, if I'm looking for a fantasy football team, they wear silver and black, and their name is the Raiders. So that that's just how I look at it.
3: Well, on that point, there was a, a thread on a Facebook group I follow, and. This guy posted up his team and he's obviously a Dallas Cowboys fan because he had five Cowboys in it and people were going in on him because he drafted a load of Cowboys and they're saying, oh, you're not going to win your fantasy football league that way. And I commented and I said, look, if you went into the draft thinking you were going to draft a load of Cowboys, that's what you wanted to do and you achieved what you wanted to do and you had fun in the process. That's what fantasy football was about. It's about having fun. Winning is right. always fun, like don't get me wrong, but if you wanted to draft the Cowboys and you got all five of the Cowboys you wanted and you thought that was fun, who, who are other people to comment on that being wrong?
1: Exactly, exactly right. And I, if I had to be in a fantasy football league, I would do the exact same thing. I would go after all kind of Raiders and if I didn't get them, I'd even try to make trades for them just because I, I, I just don't... Like you said, it's about having fun and fun for me is not following one player or one player or one player. Fun for me is following different teams. This team's doing this. This team's doing that. Let me go to this game and watch this game. Instead of covering just one particular player on one team and one particular player on another team, it's just not my bag. But, again, I respect the ones that do it. I know it's a great industry. A lot of people are all involved in it. And, again, it makes a lot of fans that might not pay as much attention to football actually pay attention to football for that exact reason. That's why why there's a red zone channel, you know, just for uh, when guys score, when they're about to score. That's absolutely fantasy football related. I mean, I want to see the whole game, but some guys just want to see who's going to score because it has to do with their fantasy team. So, again, I respect it. I just don't do it.
3: I mean, look, they even have the fantasy football scores along the bottom ticker tape in the red zone. So yeah. I mean, definitely yeah. aimed at it. But, you know, you, you know, we respect you for not playing as much as we would respect you for playing probably a little bit more. No, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can tell us some Raiders that are going to be fantasy relevant, queue, go ahead, man.
1: Yeah, and, and see, that's, that's what I think is important is uh, Josh Jacobs, rookie running back out of Alabama, I think he's going to get a lot of uh, attention. I think I actually have said I think he's going to be offensive rookie of the year this year. So I mean that lets you know right there. John Gruden's going to use him as a running back. John Gruden's going to re- use him as a receiver out of the backfield. He is going to get a lot of burn. So uh, if there's one guy to look at, and I don't know when you would draft the Josh Jacobs. I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't know the the ins and outs of it like that. I know there's certain times you draft running back, certain times you draft quarterbacks. But if there's a running back that I'm looking at, and it's and he's a sneaky sneaky good guy, and he's going to be really uh, used a lot, and that's what all fantasy football is about is being used a lot and, and scoring a lot of touchdowns. I believe that it's going to be Josh Jacobs at the running back position. I think that that's the guy to definitely get on your team if you, if you're trying to build it up.
3: So Josh Jacobs Q is not sneaky in fantasy football. He's going pretty early in drafts at the moment. Okay. He's not a sneaky pick, but what I will say is I am two picks away from having my fourth-round pick, and if Josh Jacobs is there, I'm going to take him based on you saying he's going to get a lot of volume.
1: Yeah, no, he is. He's going to get a lot of carries. He's going to get a lot of catches. I mean, he's one of those guys. I'm not going to put like Christian McCaffrey type numbers on him already, but he's one of those guys that could be in that kind of category that Christian McCaffrey is expecting to be in this year, where he's talking about possibly running for a thousand and and receiving for a thousand. I'm not going to put Josh Jacobs on that pedestal pedestal right now in his rookie year, but he's going to be that kind of player, you know, and he doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on his tires coming out of Alabama, which is really really rare for an Alabama running back. But uh, he's he's going to have he's going to have plenty of chances at uh, scoring and getting a lot of yards and, and all that good stuff. So, yeah, uh, if you have an opportunity to grab them, go ahead and get them. And, and that's one I feel really, really confident about.
3: So so what about uh, old frozen foot wrong helmet, Antonio Brown?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: he's going to get his.
1: He's absolutely going to get his. Uh, I'm excited about what Antonio Brown brings to the table. I believe John Gruden said today that he's going to be available week one of the regular season. So uh, there's no worries about his feet. He, uh, he's going to get his helmet situation taken care of, uh, and I think he'll be just fine. He's going to command the ball. He's going to command a lot of attention, and I think Derek Carr is going to try to, unlike in the past years, I think Derek Carr is going to try to feed him as much as possible. They're gonna, he's really going to try to not force the ball to him, but he's going to look his way a little bit extra, more than he would with like an Amari Cooper or even when Michael Crabtree was there. He's going to be looking for him early and often just because he knows that Antonio Brown is a tone center. I, I do, I anticipate 1,000 yards for Antonio Brown and as close to 100 catches as possible. But uh, yeah, I, I think he's definitely going to get that. He'll be over 1,000 yards, in my opinion, and he'll probably be around eight or nine touchdowns. And I feel really, really good about saying that. And so, yeah, I mean, if you can grab Antonio Brown, and I don't know where that would rank as far as fantasy goes. Like I said, 1,000 1, yards, just over 1,000 yards, and, and like it's about 95 catches for the season, eight touchdowns. Yes, yeah, if, if that would be good on your fantasy team, then you go get that guy. He's, he's going to make
3: that happen. <laughs> well, I've got a few shares of Antonio Brown already. Admittedly, it was before the foot helmet issue, but he's generational talent, isn't he? He's Hall of Fame bound already, and right, it really matters where he plays. He's he's going to be the, the
1: dog. So exactly,
2: he doesn't need to take part too much in training camp, other than a little bit of chemistry. Do you know what I mean? He knows what he's doing. He's he's going to have the playbook down. You know, and he's throw the ball his way, he's going to catch it. So, exactly. you know, as long as he's ready exactly. for week one, that's great. Because yep. I've got him in the team as well. So. <laughs> right.
1: No, hey, he will be. He'll be ready for week one. And he'll, uh, you know, he'll go out there and do what he does. And look, his work ethic is so sick that he's going he's gonna to be ready. I mean, like you said, a little bit of chemistry at first might be an issue. But if the ball is near him in his area, he's catching. He's coming down with it. And then the rest will be up to him after the catch. That's the thing. He'll get those yards after the catch. So yeah, he's definitely he's a no-brainer fantasy football guy.
3: And what about his counterpart, Tyrell Williams? How do you see him going this season?
1: I think Tyrell Williams is going to be a good number two. I mean, I, I really do, because he's not going to get too much double coverage. He's not going to get that safety help over the top. He's going to see more one-on-one coverage, and he's a guy that can go up and make the, the big catch. You know, uh, I don't know. I don't think he's going to have 1,000 yards receiving, but I think that he'll be close. I mean, I, I really do. And, and look, a couple years ago, the Raiders had two wide receivers that had over 1,000 yards and Amari Cooper and, and Michael Crabtree, so he very well could. You know, John, John Gruden could really start throwing the ball around the yard a lot, but again, I expect Josh Jacobs to get a lot of catches as well, so that's the only reason I say Tyrell Williams won't get 1,000 yards. He, uh, he He's going to be good. He's really going to be good stretch the field. Uh, that's that's a guy that I'm pretty excited about. I think that maybe you could take him in a later round and, and be happy with what you get. You know, maybe that's one of those guys that, that I don't know those – what the terms are but it was like he's an extra guy or extra player he could probably be that extra player and get you some nice fantasy points based off his production he'll have in 2019
3: so the term is sleeper because he's going to be going late in
1: draft okay see, see now you're teaching me something so now we're see we're all good now so it's a give and take relationship I like this
3: no I'm all about it give and take you, you scratch my back I'll scratch yours something like that
1: there you go, there you go. hey look man to, to make a good omelet you gotta crack some eggs right
2: boom <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh, for reals. So my only concern with Antonio Brown is Derek Carr's ability to push the ball downfield. And obviously you've got Big Ben, Hall of Fame quarterback, who could do that quite capably. Derek Carr's deep passing hasn't been great. Do you think that improves this year?
1: You you know what I think is going to be important for Derek Carr and and Antonio Brown? If you go back to see what he did with Pittsburgh and Big Ben, a lot of times when he got those big plays, it was off of busted plays. It was off a of Big Ben keeping it alive with his feet just a little bit longer, holding the ball a little bit longer, and then Antonio Brown break into a, a, op- a open area. Early in the season, that might be a struggle because of that chemistry you talked about before. They're not quite on the same page as far as that goes. Derek Carr has said that he wants to keep plays alive with his feet. He wants to scramble more and be able to keep a play alive so he can push the ball down the field to an Antonio Brown. If he incorporates that into his game, and that that's a big if because you don't just Tigers don't change their stripes. They don't all of a sudden become a a, a scrambling quarterback when they've been a a stone temple pilot forever. You know what I mean? You just don't. But he did in 2016 scramble quite a bit. After he broke his leg, he stopped. If he's over the broken leg and he's actually got his mind right and feels like this is the part of his game he needs to bring back, the element of his game he needs to bring back, if he can keep plays alive, Antonio Brown's going to get a lot of good catches late, you know, or or on busted plays like he did with Pittsburgh. That's where I think that he'll benefit. That's where I think that Antonio Brown will get a lot of sneaky yards that you had no idea he was going to get, but all of a sudden a play busted out or busted down, broke down and, and boom, all of a sudden that hits you with a 50 yard touchdown or something like that. That's how I think he gets a lot of yards that people aren't expecting. And Derek Carr really takes his game to the next level. If he understands his offense the way he's supposed to, I think he'll be able to do that. And uh, that scrambling will be a major, major point. So that, that'll be what, what helps Antonio Brown in his yards and uh, his, his big playability.
3: Well, if all of that happens for fantasy football, they're all value because you're going to get them all later than their points at the end of the season will prove so. cute, get some fantasy football in your life. Just draft a load of Raiders and possibly, you never know, you might just win. Just saying.
1: I might. Just win, baby. I like what you did there. That's good. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so podcasting for the Raiders, a specific team. A few quick questions on that. What's been your highlight to date reporting on the Raiders?
1: Um, that's a good question. That's a really, really good question. Um, man, that's a, that, that's a, that's really a good one. You know, I think in 2016, when they were in the play, the last time they made the playoffs and they, they went to Houston to play in the wild card game. Obviously, Derek Carr was, was injured. He didn't get to play in that game. Uh, uh, who was it? Uh, what's his name? I forget. He's not even in the league anymore. Anyway, he was the backup and he got to start, um, uh, that game, I was at that game and I got to cover it for my radio station. And after the game, even though it was a loss, I you know went in the locker room and did all the post-game interviews afterwards in the locker room. And even though the team wasn't happy because it was a loss, it was just talking about the Raiders, talking about a playoff game, and, and talking to the actual players that helped them get to the, to the playoffs. Being able to talk with those guys one-on-one or in a group setting right after a playoff game, I thought that was pretty good. Hopefully there's a lot more playoff games and I get to talk to them a lot more. But, yeah, just seeing them back in the playoffs and being able to cover that game, uh, specifically, that was pretty awesome.
2: Just a quick one. Was that Matt McCloy? No, no,
1: it wasn't. It was Connor Cook. Connor Cook was the guy.
2: That, that, that would have bugged me all night. I'm glad you, glad you gave the, <laughs> give me the answer to that.
1: <laughs> Matt, Matt McCloy was on the team then, though. He was on the team. I, I remember because I did talk to him after the game, and uh, he was going to be a free agent. He said he didn't know where he was going. And I was like, anywhere, I don't care. It doesn't matter. You're not really <laughs> that good. But, but he sure thought he was good, didn't he? Boy, he did.
3: so what's the greatest thing about the Raiders that the UK fans or any fans might not know
1: um just that they're they're just different I mean they're just different the Raiders are again I, I say there's 31 teams in the league and then there's the Raiders I just think that their their heart beats a little bit different than everybody else the edge is a little bit different when you hear Former Raiders talk about the experience in, in Oakland and the experience for putting on that 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 silver helmet with that patch on the side and putting on that black uniform and running out to the crazy fans. They just say it's different. They just say it's a different element. Like they're they're just not used to 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 what it means. You know, it, it's just a it's a different kind of a not family, but it's a different kind of an organization where they do things differently than than others and and it's it's a it's a fun experience and it's one of its own and i just think that that's why the unique fan base is or how unique the fan base is because everyone who's a fan of the team they're they're so different and they're so so like i said they have such a different edge to them and you know just uh it's it's hard to describe but it's it's so much it's part of the fun kind of feeling like it's you against the world even though it's probably not but it feels like it is at times feels like everyone's against you and that's cool. You know, it just kind of feels like you're you're almost like enemy of the state at times. And so it's, it's fun to be on the other side of things where everything's not always rosy and berry. Things are things are are tough and and you know, blue collar and just just uh, you know, kind of gritty and and look, over in the UK there's a lot of there's a lot of gritty folks. There's a lot of gritty guys, blue collar cats. You know this. So I think that that's why the Raiders when they go and play in London that they're so they're so Welcomed. even though they never put up a good performance when they're there. They're always welcome with open arms because I feel like they kind of represent uh, the, the fans and the, and the people that are over across the seas as well.
3: I recently learned about the autumn wind poem that goes out before the game. I didn't know that happened. Yeah. Um, and I think oh, if, yeah. if, if... Because we predominantly see red zone and then even if you do see the beginning of the games on sky sports or whatever they're showing it uh, correct me if i'm wrong hitley but i've not seen the beginning of a raiders game where that poem goes out so unless you know about it or have been to the coliseum i think a good way to describe the raiders is actually to go and like watch or listen to the autumn wind poem that comes from the beginning of the raiders game because i think that embodies being a raider
1: yeah, 100%. Uh, honestly, and when they hit the when the Hell's Bells hits from ACDC, and you just hear, ding! All of a sudden, the crowd loses their mind. You know what I mean? Like to to really know what it is to be a Raider, you have to go and experience one game, and it's really experience one game in Oakland. And, so, and that's what's unfortunate about them leaving uh, after this year because it's just so different. You look around the the fans, and everyone's just they're wired up, man, and they're they're so pumped up, fired up, high fiving with everybody, just jumping around and yelling and screaming and dressed up and you know everyone looks like Halloween costumes you know you got guys with spikes on their shoulders and it's just it's almost like being the renegade being a rebel like Mad Max back in the day you know it's just it's just something different about you I'm telling you I walk and I talk a little different because I'm a Raider fan I I tell everybody that man you can't tell me nothing man I'm a Raider fan you can't tell me nothing I'm good you know and it's it's just it's, it's a it's a mindset man it's just it's just different and and that's what the the beauty of being a Raider fan is is that you know that you're cut from a different cloth and it, it can't be it can't be duplicated it really really can't if you're a Raider fan and you're to your heart a Raider fan you're that different dude you're that different woman you're that different child my wife has never been to an NFL game period and we're both going through the game to end the regular season at the Oakland Coliseum, game December 15th against the Jaguars and she is so amped right now because she just knows Everything she's seen from on TV and everything she's heard from me, every story she's heard, she's so amped and already has some gear. She went out and bought a bunch of Raider gear already just because she wants to be part of that element and just live that element at least for one time, one afternoon, just to know what it's like to be there. And so that, that's, that's so exciting. And, man, I'm telling you, if, if we talk again, it should be after that December 15th game just so I can tell you how that experience went.
3: Oh, listen, man. If you, if you want to come back on, we would massively appreciate your time because this has been an absolute blast.
1: Oh yeah, hey man, I come on anytime you guys want. This is fun. I'm telling you, man. You guys are my homeboys. We kick. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I tell you what, then we'll uh, we'll book you in. I'll get Murphy to get right on that. After you've been to that final home game, you can come us and tell us all about it because it's going to be some gig.
1: Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Book me. Put me down right now. I'm telling you, I, I want to be a a, a show, a, a part of the show. And yeah, let's. Let's do that, man, and uh, I, I'll have some stories to tell you. That's for sure.
3: I no, appreciate it. I appreciate it. So, Q, why don't you why don't you let Rush Nation know where they can find you, what podcast you're on, what your Twitter handle is. Basically, wherever you are in the webs, let us know.
1: Well, if you're looking for me on Twitter, you can find me at your boy Q. That's Y O U R B O Y Q two five four at your boy Q two five four on Twitter. And that's really the only social media that I, I have, but uh, that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. I do the Locked On Raiders podcast every single day, Monday through Friday. I have a lot of fun on that. I have a phone number that people can call in and share their thoughts and and, uh, feelings on the game or on the team or just in general. So, uh, yeah, just tune in to the Locked On Raiders podcast. Like I said, daily podcast on the Raiders. We've done it every single day. I started August 15th of 2018, and I haven't really missed a day. I, I might miss a day here or a day there. But for the most part, it's been a solid year of just podcasts every single day and I got through the offseason like it was nothing, got through the draft like it was nothing. Now we're in preseason, and next thing you know, we'll be talking about regular season games. So that's where you can find me. And then every day I, uh, I have my radio show on ESPN Central Texas, uh, noon to 3 uh, Central time. So, uh, yeah, I'm on that as well. So I'm a very busy man, but when you're enjoying what you do, when you're passionate about your job, you're not really working. You're just having a lot of fun. Like, talking to you guys, I'm not working, man. I'm having fun. We're having a conversation. This is awesome. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I'll, I'm down to do this anytime you guys want me.
3: And straight up, we'll hit you right back up with another date because this has been awesome. So, appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much for coming on.
1: No problem. No problem. Anytime, guys. Make sure you hit me up. Will do. Will do.
3: Lee, this has been a blast, as always, man. And uh, I'll catch you next week. But from me, from Lee, and from your boy Q, Rush Nation, as always, don't forget keep rushing
2: uh-huh. Come on now. We, don't have we are all entitled to sexual health just as much as physical and mental
0: health